You're listening to PorchDrinking.com's The Porchcast, brought to you by ONTAP Credit Union. And now, The Porchcast. All righty, welcome to episode 99 of The Porchcast. We are back after our GABF edition with a very special interview today. We're excited to welcome uh, co-founder of Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling, Jake Schinker. Jake, how's it going, man? Great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, and today I'm also joined by our co-host, Bryant Vanderweerd, who's actually going to be taking the lead on this show. Stepping Jay- out from behind my cave, stepping out from behind the, the control panel to uh, interview uh, Mr. Schinker myself. Yeah, Bryant, uh, you know, it's it was great having you here in Denver. And uh, sure. I feel like even just a, a day removed from from our previous conversation, I feel revitalized, rejuvenated, and ready to go for, for episode 99 of the Porchcast. Um, you know, we, we wanted to bring Jake on the show because Eagle Park has uh, made some big news over the last couple months, and uh, we want to hear all about it. But before we dive right in, I do want to give a special shout out to our friends at ONTAP Credit Union, our sponsors of the show. ONTAP Credit Union isn't your average financial partner. They make banking as easy as enjoying your favorite beverage while providing great financial advice in a friendly and welcoming environment. With ONTAP, Colorado comes first, which is why they offer low loan rates for cars, homes, credit cards, and more. And with ONTAP's mobile app, you can have instant access to your accounts, whether you're meeting friends at a local brewery, out at the slopes, or wherever your next adventure takes you. Member-owned, Colorado-proud, federally insured through NCUA. You can find more at ONTAPCU.org. All right, Jake, welcome to the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about the big news. Yeah, so um, it was just announced that we, um, Eagle Park Brewing Company and Distilling, uh, we just acquired Milwaukee Brewing Company, um, Milwaukee's third oldest craft brewery. They've been around for 25 years. So it's a huge honor to be able to carry on that torch now. It's really cool. Give me a little bit of, you know, background on who Eagle Park is. I mean, relative to the craft beer scene, you, you guys are kind of riding that, that I don't want to say the first wave, obviously Milwaukee Brewing and, and you know, Lakefronts, they kind of have the, the OG wave. And then there was sort of maybe five, six years ago, sort of the, the craft beer boom. And that that's where uh, Eagle Park sort of came in. Um, so, so start me there, you know, start me at day one, year one, and, and kind of walk me through uh, what has Eagle Park's kind of history and, and, and growth process been? Yeah, so um, we're coming up on six years ago that we started now. And uh, we started on the second floor of this unmarked warehouse, and there was no sign outside. It was uh, a speakeasy at best. Um, we had a <laughs> tiny little tap room um, seating for maybe 40 people and then just a little homebrew setup. It was like the lowest barrier to entry from homebrewing into pro. And uh, since we've actually moved out of that space and got another location in Milwaukee, um, that was about a year after we opened up the first one, after we kind of had our proof of concept and knew things were going well. And then we opened up our main facility now out in Skego uh, about two years ago. So it's been a new locations frequently for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's even kind of part of, you know, what I was thinking over this, these past couple of days is, you know, your, your, your model of growth is not, not, not completely unheard of, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's uh, other breweries that grow, uh, you know, aggressively, uh, you know, uh, or, or have, you know, high lofty goals. You, uh, you know, Eagle Park kind of falls into that. I mean, walk me through that, you know, a little bit is, is just, 
the mindset behind or or you know not necessarily the the day-to-day -day plans but just kind of like the plan or the mindset behind i mean six years and you've got a massive location you've already you know acquired this this long time you know 25 year old brewery um what's behind that like what is behind the 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 desire to grow and expand so uh, aggressively um so after we moved out of the first location when we actually had like a legitimate commercial size brewing system and we started kind of making these styles of beer that weren't available in our market um we were seeing them around the country and trading for them and okay. trying all these things like fruited sours and milkshake ipas hazy ipas and it was just happenstance that we were kind of the first ones to jump onto that train and provide that to our local customer base and people really latched onto it quickly so that kind of catapulted us in uh, production from that first space that we thought would last us a few years and we were outgrowing it quickly. So uh, the plans to open up this new facility started pretty early on, earlier than we thought they would for sure. Um, but now we've kind of married that um, unique style, like more adventurous stuff with more traditional year round offerings that are out in market and we're kind of every day have fighting this balance of having beers that you can get at a gas station, but also having like hype beer releases of crazy fruited sours and hazy IPAs at our tap rooms. If I ever find a tall boy of Eagle Park beer at a quick trip, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. So I think you guys need to invest in those those giant like Michelada style, just those those pretty ounces. <laughs> oh, it's in the plans. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Jake, you touched on this just uh, with your last kind of response a little bit in terms of styles. You know, I think that's something that I'm always intrigued with as someone who so closely follows the beer industry. You know, I, I first got turned on to your beers through some barrel aged stuff that a friend traded to me and I uh, was really, really impressed. And uh, I feel like, you know, even even with when it comes to barrel aged beers, you know, things go in waves. You have, you know, you started out with just like, really quality barrels. And then you, we, we saw like this rise in adjuncts. And then now we're kind of shifting to, you know, uh, you know, fruited sours, uh, seltzers. I saw that you all have seltzers on your lineup now. Where do you find balance? Because at the end of the day, you know, these trends are going to continue to evolve and it's hard to predict what's going to be, uh, you know, a mainstay of your lineup, you know, something that's going to sustain uh, revenue for a long period. Whereas you also have really, really high quality, um, you know, flagship styles, more traditional styles. Where do you find that balance in, in kind of these more familiar styles and also more innovative kind of, um, you know, I guess more hype styles that maybe bring in a little bit more initial revenue uh, at, in the moment, but may continue to evolve over time? Yeah, so we've kind of found this careful balance of Basically, the mantra every day is to, in our tap rooms, offer something for everyone. And that was even a big part why we added a distillery now at this location. So now we have basically everything but wine. And I mean, whether you want regular, like traditional hard seltzers, we have lots of cool, like RTD stuff that we're working on um, that mixed with kind of like our entry level IPAs that people are not those who aren't like very in tune with like the craft beer like pinnacle or high-end stuff that they can get in there and then hopefully try something else and get more adventurous on our menu because at any given time we at our mosquito facility we have 
probably 50 to 60 different options between draft and cam just for beer and seltzers and then spirits on top of that so yeah, we uh like a cheesecake factory menu there's so many different it's a lot it's, crazy. it's such a great <laughs> but higher quality yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly way higher quality but yeah it's this kind of careful balance now we're even seeing this almost retreat on that where if you offer too many things it's overwhelming so it's kind of this balance of not offering too much but offering enough absolutely i think that's that's kind of where i'm i'm a little you know not not cautious but i think um still still wanting to keep an eye out on you know i think i think we've seen a lot of these heritage breweries that are kind of larger more uh slow to innovate breweries that haven't found as much success and you've seen them having to you know either pivot really quickly or in some cases fold up shop and so now my wondering is are we is there is this kind of a, a middle ground in terms of not pivoting quick enough or pivoting too much and so uh, i'm i'm very curious as to with with you guys you know you know embracing rtd which is you know the the fastest growing category right now um you know i'm sure that you all were quick to to ad adapt to the hard seltzer phase which is why your hard seltzer program has succeeded so so much in that area do you do you have um kind of contingencies in place in terms of what happens if rtd you know in in a couple months is no longer as as quickly rising as it is now um i think we we're never first to the game I think is something that kind of stays true through our history. Um, we're not anxious to be that first one out of the door. Milwaukee, thankfully, kind of allows us to do that better than most cities because our style-wise, people are a little behind the curve of the coast. So things kind of move towards the center of the country. So we're able to kind of see how things go first in these big metropolises on either coast. And then whatever ends up making it our way, we're already ready to launch at that point. So things that, like, for example, um, what, like cold IPA, it's not really like a big thing here. Um, we talked about doing them when we first heard about them and thought it was really cool, but it was never something we put all our chips on the table for. And it's, uh, it's not to say that we haven't launched things or products in the past that haven't done well. Like, it's more about just take as many shots as you can and hopefully some of them stick. Really cool. Kind of speaking of of shots, actually, um, you know, like Tristan said, you know, you're in you're a distillery now too. I mean, was the, uh, you know, I know that the Muskego location, you know, in this, uh, you've ever been there? I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, those giant, almost looks like an Amazon warehouse, you know, and they've got like the nice corner unit there, and um, you know, I know during uh, during COVID that was kind of like the to go line and everything, but you know, the, the, the distillery side of things too. I mean, where, where does that fall in the, in the Eagle Park, you know, brand? I know that there's a barrel, you know, a, a, like a whiskey room, like a very, sorry, like a barrel room in uh, that location. And, you know, where does the spirit line kind of fall within all of that? Yeah. Um, so we've always been passionate about whiskey in general as consumers. So it was kind of a, one of those things even from the early days that when we were ready when we had the space and everything it was going to be a part of the equation um it just so happened that with our state laws and everything for us to serve booze behind the bar we have to make it so it was kind of this it 
it came the right time to do it when we opened up this facility and we're actually working on adding them to our downtown spot as well now. But it's, uh, yeah, like I said, just offering more things to allow more people to come and enjoy what we do here because there's a pretty common occurrence where you're out with a group of people and all it takes is one of them not to enjoy beer and they're going to stay for maybe one and leave. So now we're kind of giving them an excuse to stay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, to that point too, how much of, you know, this, this Muskego purchase um, that really paved the way for, you know, for this, your, your increased capacity uh, that really gave you the ability to hold uh, what we'll get to here in a minute, which is the Milwaukee uh, acquisition. But what was the, the initial uh, mindset behind purchasing that location? And, you know, first off, I think, how much did you, you know, increase your, your, potential capacity by uh, by purchasing that location and, and all of the new equipment within it? Um, so when we left or when we stopped production at our downtown Milwaukee spot, we were on pace to do about 3,000 barrels that year, um, which was ridiculous for how small the space was. Uh, yeah. It was not fun, but we made it work. Um, so when we right now we sit um, at the Muskego facility for about 20,000 barrels. Um, and then we're doing a big equipment expansion here, hopefully early in this next year, um, things will start showing up. That'll take us up to a potential of like 50,000 barrels just with adding fermentation and stuff like that. But we'll, uh, we'll get up to like 30 out of the gate, I think is what the number is. Love it. Love it. Yeah. That's, that's massive. And again, for a six-year-old brewery to be doing that too, that's, um, very, uh, very aggressive. I mean, was there. You know, I mean, not, like I said, not overly aggressive. You, you definitely see that along the way, um, but uh, it's, it's definitely, you guys have the great products to do it. Um, was it, was there ever a thought, I mean, you know, doing, con was it, was the plan to kind of do contract brewing? Was it to brew 50,000 barrels, ideally 50,000 barrels of Eagle Park products? Um, or was it just kind of like, let's just buy this big ass thing and put a bunch of tanks in it and then we'll kind of see what happens. I mean, where did that, where did all of that fall? I think it was more of a product of how fast we outgrew the first one that uh, we didn't want to move again. Sure. So uh, <laughs> um, that kind of allowed us to look at the right size building to allow our future expansion. So the original spot we took over in this Muskego building was 20,000 square feet. And now we've taken over the unit next to us, which is an additional 30. So now that's actually where I'm sitting right now. And uh, that's kind of like our storage for dry goods, packaging materials, that kind of stuff. And uh, eventually packaging them over, over on this side. And um, our whiskey rick house is going to be over here, that kind of thing. It just gives us the ability to do or to take on whatever comes our way, I guess is a good way to put it. No. But contract in the beginning was never something we wanted to go after. Um, it was just a matter of we knew we were because at the last location, when we were making those 3,000 barrels a year, we didn't even have year rounds. Um, there was almost no distribution. Very few kegs went out to bars, that kind of thing. So we knew that next step kind of had to be in that realm to make sense. And uh, now we kind of have this extra headroom to now bring on Milwaukee Brewing Company, which essentially doubled our production overnight. So it's been a a little bit of uh, a headache for all of us around here, but we're getting through it. We're making some awesome beer and so far so good. Now, obviously enabled to, to, to be able to kind of take on 
both an existing brewery of that size and to really ramp up, like you said, in distribution and whatnot, it, it relies on really great people. And tell me a little bit about the, the company culture with uh, Eagle Park and, you know, what you all have had. I'm sure you all incorporated some of the some of the team from Milwaukee um, in this acquisition as well. Tell us a little bit about kind of how you build the pieces to, to be able to have that infrastructure to be able to scale up. Yeah. So um, my two other business partners, they're both both brothers. So uh, I'm an only child, but I feel like I've been welcomed into their family at this point. Uh, <laughs> so that kind of family mentality is like a really core principle of how we treat each other and our staff here. And it creates a really tight knit team. And we're always kind of ready to take on these big, crazy projects because we just know we're all going to have each other's backs. And that makes it really helpful. Um, so ironically, our two guys out of the three on our brewing staff right now all came from Milwaukee Brewing Company. Um, they've been with us for, what, four and three years. And so basically before that was even a thought in our mind of buying Milwaukee Brewing, we knew we could do that well. So it was a big deciding factor for us that we could come out of the gate with a really high quality product because they had this experience. Absolutely. And, you know, leaning into that and kind of rolling into now you've acquired, you know, Milwaukee. I mean, how, how did that really come to be? Obviously they, they announced their, their closing uh, some time ago. And then uh, did Jake just wake up one day and say, this is the next step or, you know, what, uh, what happened there? Um, so they had originally announced that it was going to be sold as kind of a package deal right. with um, they have the Milwaukee Ale House, which is downtown. And then they have the main production facility that they just built a couple of years ago and then the brand. So all three of those pieces were bundled. And at that time, we didn't really have a need for that big of a production facility. We kind of were already sitting at one and it just was redundant for us. So we kind of let them know that, hey, if you can't find a buyer for the whole thing and you just want to sell off this brand, we'd be more than an int interested reach back out to us. Um, the thought process of kind of bringing in the Milwaukee Brewing brand to what we do here is that there wasn't very much overlap with Eagle Park, which is, I would assume, rare. Um, they kind of have these core group of legacy brands that have been around forever um, that people are used to just kind of filling their coolers and fridges with at a very like affordable price point that just their traditional styles made well. Um, they hold the name of the city they're made in, which is pretty awesome, especially a city like Milwaukee that is definitely known for being a beer city. Um, so to kind of have that ability to bring in something so large, but not affect what already we had was very attractive for us, obviously. So it's, uh, it was kind of the right fit, the right time. Yeah, definitely. And you have been, you know, in, in various articles, quoted in various articles and various press, you know, being, you know, very assertive saying, you know, folks are not going to notice a lapse, you know, there's not going to, you're, you're going to continue to carry the same staple brands, it's just going to, it's going to be almost a seamless transition. Um, was that important to you? I mean, just, just almost, uh, again, like a seamless or just everything's 
you're it's like a duck right you're everything's floating so great on top and that's the customer but then down here there's jake is just paddling and paddling and paddling and the team um where was that I mean, that was kind of always the plan right i mean it was just this so important that you guys upheld that that continue that continuousness talk about that a little bit yeah so i think it got a little closer than we wanted it to um with things running out uh just given the time it took to because it was since the deal was broken up into these parts it definitely everything kind of had to work together and we're waiting on different teams and all that kind of stuff so as that was happening the amount of beer that was left to stock these shelves kept dwindling down and down and we kind of hit a d-day moment where we had to fill tanks with beer so is the minute we could start doing it we started filling tanks with milwaukee brewing company beer and yeah i think as of early next week we're actually shipping out uh all the year rounds so we've been brewing like crazy packaging like crazy and as far as the only difference is going to be we're going to labels on cans for a minute until we can get some printed and we're doing a little bit of a brand refresh nothing too major but just a little uh modernization now you kind of touched on uh the fact that milwaukee has such a you know historic legacy for for beer um tell us a little bit about how the community has embraced these kind of unique more modern styles when it comes to the eagle park brand and how you're going to balance the two obviously you know we talked about balance with the eagle park brand but how do you balance both the milwaukee side and the eagle park side when it comes to even just you know getting down to the sales and distribution side of things yeah so back when we first started making these crazier styles of beer i think it was we definitely really had a loyal following with people that were very into that kind of thing and we're doing the same things we were trading for beers across the country and that kind of thing. And now they have this local option to get it. So we had this really loyal customer base starting out of the gate. And then it kind of blossomed into this. Everyone has like that one friend in their group that's the beer nerd. And they would take them to Eagle Park just because like, hey, you have to try this stuff. It's not like the craft beer you've had before. And it got all these new people to try beers that they would never normally order. And we've just kind of kept doing that further and further. And now that we've kind of built that trust with people, um, we've been able to launch these year-round brands and people have the same trust in that. And we're definitely a little bit higher price point on year-round stuff than most people. And I think because of that trust in what we do, there people are willing to kind of make that little bit of a jump and put something better in our mind in their fridge. But um, then like combining that with Milwaukee Brewing Company, now we're able to, because basically before this happened, Eagle Park was trying to evolve in this monster that did everything. And as a brand goes, you're kind of known for certain things and not known for others. And we were facing a lot of kind of road bumps. Um, we have an amazing lager program here that we're doing like all imported ingredients and super traditional methods and that is polar opposite of what we were known for and it took a while for people to kind of grasp onto this and realize that this is really good beer let's give it a shot every time we do a release and now it's completely polar opposite where like those are some of our best sellers in our tap rooms but now with bringing mke into the mix we don't have to force eagle park to be something it's not we can just make the best beer and it'll fit into one or the other 
Are you seeing a greater adoption from a distributor standpoint in terms of, you know, one of the things that we talked about uh, out here, Stem Ciders recently helped with the sales uh, side of, of Boulder Beer, um, being able to offer that craft, you know, truly craft beer option while still offering cider as a category. And then now they recently acquired Howdy Beer being kind of more of the um, commodity side, commodity brand while still straddling that craft line. So, you know, we talked about how, you know, distributors want to see a diverse profile. It makes it easier for them because they can work with just one sales, you know, force uh, and, and, and bringing in those products. Are you seeing more of an adoption on, on kind of that diversity of portfolio in terms of both, you know, hardcore craft for the experimental craft beer drinkers, uh, you know, distilling uh, in terms of spirits, and then now also this kind of more traditional kind of beer commodity brand uh, in Milwaukee? Um, it's, we've definitely uh, not made it easy on our distributors. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, with well, the exact products, opposite of what I just described. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, for like the traditional big distribution model for what we are known for is so opposite of what they're used to as far as we're releasing new things all the time where a big brand might launch 50 or tops like 10 or 15 new products a year mm. we're launching i mean in our tap rooms we release an average of at least two beers a week sometimes it's six sure so these kegs kind of make their way into their system and all the, the bureaucracy of setup forms and everything I, they've gotten used to it now but in the beginning phases it was uh we were not the favorite child let's put it that way <laughs> We definitely didn't make it easy. Well, speaking of pushback, are you still seeing, um, you know, because Milwaukee had such a storied history of, you know, light loggers, are you still seeing a lot of folks coming around to, at events and being like, oh, you know, I this is not what I drink. You know, I don't drink craft beer. Um, I feel like there's still a little bit of that holdout, but I feel like in just like the last five years alone, uh, for most of the breweries that I've been around, you're seeing such a wider adoption, even from like traditionalists that, that, you know, previously were, were pretty, uh, you know, pretty adverse to, to trying something new. Yeah, I would agree that kind of five, six years ago, Mark was at least for Milwaukee when that change started to happen mm -hmm. and people were willing to try something new, willing to support something local. And now that like that's kind of evolved in these past five or six years, we still sell a ton of like our lagers and light beer options. Like, don't get me wrong. People will order a flight of a hazy IPA and overfruited sour and an Imperial stout, but then also get a pint of lager. So it's kind of this weird dichotomy of why not try everything? Like lager still has, the reason it got so big is because you can drink a bunch of them and it's not overwhelming and but it also is like this nice compliment to what's going on in craft beer right now, as far as like the crazier stuff. And for crying out loud, it's Wisconsin. You can get a beer back with your bloody Mary. What a, it's not a little tiny shot. It's just a, a, a pint of beer. It's just another piece of alcohol next to your bloody Mary that you just drink. In addition. Um, exactly. I think even the first time that I met you, Jake, you made that point about the loggers and the Hellases and the Pilsners that everybody's got to have at least one out here um, because of the Tavern League and because of, you know, the Paps and the Millers of the world. And um, to some extent, you know, the, the, the Milwaukee's, I mean, obviously they were, they're more craft, they're more small, but 
um, that's that is a, a very important staple of you know of, of a craft brewery out in Wisconsin is that you have to have a, a, a crispy you know a, a clean and crispy year round kind of thing. Um, and this you know like you just said, kind of that that Milwaukee brand um, takes care of that for you. You know covers covers those bases in in some ways. Um, you grew up drinking you know Milwaukee beer. I mean not necessarily grew up grew up, but uh, you you have a past with Milwaukee Beer, uh, Milwaukee Brewing Company. Um, walk me through that a little bit. Yeah, so I mean, back when we first turned up legal drinking age, that was really the only brewery around, and or one of the only breweries in town. And that was some of the first tastes of craft beer I had. So I mean, when that brewery opened, I what I was like six years old. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a weird like thing to process in my brain for sure but uh it's yeah really looking back on my formative years of becoming a craft beer consumer and now being able to carry that torch and have so much respect for what that did for me personally um is going to be really interesting now as like we kind of move forward with what Milwaukee Brewing Company will stay as and what it will become in certain ways is it, you know, is it an honor? Is it intimidating? Like to, to be carrying this stalwart yes, brand, you know, this, <laughs> uh, I, I, I get it, man. I, I can see that. That's, that's huge. Obviously it's been, it's been huge news out here. So, you know, I appreciate you walking, uh, walking me through that, walking us through that. Uh, you know, you mentioned moving forward, you mentioned carrying the legacy on uh, what are, what are your plans? You know, if, if anything, I mean, obviously you're still kind of getting your, your head above your feet a little bit when it comes to this merger and the acquisition and everything, but uh, you know, moving forward, what are your kind of dreams for this either, whether it's the pair, you know, the Eagle Park Milwaukee or just Milwaukee brand? Yeah. So um, kind of initial thoughts of after we kind of get our feet under us and get good flow of like the year round offerings, um, we're going to be bringing back what they used to call the Brewers Day Off series. Um, kind of their R&D stuff. Um, we have more flexibility here to do that than most breweries do as far as just making wild and crazy things. Um, we do it with, on the Eagle Park side and kind of now we have the ability to do that in both areas, but those aren't, the R&D beers for Eagle Park generally stay in our tap rooms, um, very small batch. And now for Milwaukee Brewing Company, we're able to do things that maybe it's not, quite on the cutting edge of what we're working on here but it would be considered new and innovative for the Milwaukee Brewing Company brand something they haven't done before um so to take plays out of our existing playbook and kind of give them to a new audience is really exciting for us um but then at the same time like we're also with Eagle Park then not really forced into making those things like we've said before that we can just kind of let them be their own things hmm. milwaukee is the older mature brother and eagle park is the the, the punk rock younger uh brother yeah. that just kind of does whatever the fuck he wants to do i gotcha <laughs> i love it well hey jake uh we really appreciate you taking the time to join us on the show today it's uh it's been incredible to kind of hear your all's growth story and we're we're really excited to follow you all as you continue to evolve both brands and uh you know we're we're very thrilled to to watch you all continue to thrive so 
Um, a big thank you for joining us on the show once again, Jake Schrinker on from uh, co sorry co-owner of Eagle Park Brewing and Distilling. And uh, once again, this has been episode ninety nine of the Porchcast. Uh, we invite you to follow us on all of your listening devices, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, Apple Play, iTunes, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode for big number one hundred. <laughs>